everybody and welcome back to another episode of Quentin Quarantino with me, David. And this episode, we're doing Kill Bill. Quentin Tarantino's almost got a name wrong. Uh, insane slasher kung fu movie uh, starring Uma Thurman as the bride, Lucy Liu as Oren Ishii. And with me are my co-hosts, Fraser. Hello. Jack. Good evening. Finn. Hello. Hopefully you can hear me. Yes, oh, Finn word. is may judd in and out a bit as he is having really fun technical issues oh, yes. um tech issues are always fun and never happen where you're recording a podcast with four separate people with four different setups as i said we are doing kill bill one which i think uh, it's fair to say jack you have been waiting to do this one since the start right yes uh it's just um i watched if I recall, I watched both the Kill Bill movies back to back on the same night where I had to stay up all night to do, weirdly enough, a sleep EEG the next day. So I had to be oh, sleep deprived. I've, 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 wow. I've been a couple of those. They suck. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I stayed up all night watching Kill Bill movies with my sister, actually. That was quite That's funny. an incredible story. I'm interested in, in its use as a, a medicinal you know, a medicinal <laughs> film series to keep you awake. It is quite thrilling. I feel <laughs> yeah. like it's quite a good one for that. I use Adderall. <laughs> there, are many other, you, there are many other options, <laughs> but Kill Bill gets the best results. As tradition, I am not allowed to watch this movie at any sensible hour, so I watched it last <laughs> night between the hours of uh, 3 and 5.30. Brilliant. Finn, you have, and Fraser, I know Jack Cobbett, have you guys actually seen this before? So I had been aware of the movie for quite a long time. It was something that my mom and my dad, especially my mom, because it's her favorite Tarantino film. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, she loves she loves the Kill Bill series, and she was like, "You have to watch, you have to watch." And she'd been hammering on about me doing it for years, and I just never got around to doing it because there's other movies I was watching at the time. So I finally just bit the bullet okay. and watched it last night. So this is my yeah. first official complete viewing of the first half of the volume. Okay, and. Uh... Finn, have you seen it before? I, I've not watched it before. It's okay. it's my greatest shame. This podcast um, is, is it's not the format of the podcast. I, exactly, it's I know. not I how know. this works. You we guys failed. need to all we watch failed. all the leftover movies uh, <laughs> before I do, so that you can rewatch them. Wow, so I was the only one with prior experience of this film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not how this podcast is meant to work. <laughs> okay. God damn it. Okay, we're going to just start. So, scene one opens with a card that says, Revenge is a dish best served cold. It opens Klingon on, like, proverb. <laughs> what? It says an old Klingon proverb at the end of that. Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> did you miss that? Yeah. No, I thought well, yeah, I did. I guess. Oh, it, it, on the on-screen text, it says "Revenge is a dish best served cold," and then like behind after that, it just says "old Klingon proverb." <laughs> oh wow! Um, I'm amazed that the Klingons invented that phrase. Actually. Um, <laughs> I didn't know though. I know Klingon's its own language, but it's probably like oh, it's, it's got doctor, a real doctor. poetry in Klingon. It's got like there's a certain level of like there's a cadence to it that just works really well. Is 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 David's latest ta- uh, take basically that that the Klingons co-directed and co-wrote Kill Bill? I almost well, we don't know who Q and U, who apparently defi- uh, came up with this movie, uh, are. Maybe they're Klingons. <laughs> No, Q and U, who are credited at the end for creating the bride, are Quinton and Uma, um, who basically co-created this film. And indeed, this intro sequence I'm about to describe was devised by Uma Thurman. I think either during the production of this, or during or after the production of Pulp Fiction. So either way, it opens on Uma Thurman's very bloodied face, um, 
on the floor in black and white, which is quite interesting. I, I was like, is the whole film going to be in black and white? Uh, no. And she is she is the bride. Um, we never find her name. Uh, I, I, To be honest, looking at her bloodied on the floor, exhausted, tired, I thought I've had mornings like this. Pregnant. Yeah, pregnant. Oh, frequently. This guy, uh, this guy Bill, uh, kind of wipes her face with like a napkin that says Bill on it. That's how you know it's his. I did wonder at this point, immediately, is this a sequel to Just William? Children's <laughs> book series about small boy in British Village. And <laughs> Kill William. Is just the... Billiam. Just Billiam. Um, but so Bill um, wipes uh, wipes away and talks about, I'm not a sadist, this is like something I have to do, this isn't a sadistic thing. And then he, um, he shoots him in the head. And... It's like end a whole fixed am- yeah end of the film fixed camera angle shot about four minutes short for a Tarantino film but artfully done uh, no it then plays credits and and I quite like it only it goes Uma Thurman as the bride and then that's the only name before it gets onto like then it has like a title card and then it keeps going it's very nice to emphasise her because this is totally a joint Tarantino Uma Thurman project. It then lists, it says, gives a list of names as the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad. And I was like, hmm, I wonder who the bad guys are in this movie. Yeah, they're not called, like, the fun bunny fun times, are they? It's, I'm just wondering if assassins should be that obvious. <laughs> I think they need to just to, it's like brand recognition. Because it's quite a competitive market. You know, they got the, the Diamond Dogs in, like, Metal Gear, things like that. They got They got some... Some sort of stiff competition. They need to have brand identity. It's a shared universe, is it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Metal Gear. Tarantino no, verse well. and the Metal Gear. The Kojima verse. The Kojima verse. The is then you've, you've just got Bill movie. with his uh, private army slash harem of uh, Viper named Deadly Ninja Girls. If you haven't gathered, by the way, uh, the, the the names throughout this movie uh, are. And all snakes? They're, no, they're, it's not just that they're all snakes. Everything is a little bit. Um, camping over the top and yeah, yeah, very yeah. stylized because it's not just I love like, it. it's not just a bit of a love letter to the kind of um, martial arts movie genre it's yeah. also kind of a love letter to like classic anime and Japanese uh, it's also Charlie's fiction. Angels so it's very it's very over the top throughout mm. I hadn't thought I hadn't thought of Charlie's Angels actually that, but yes, that Charlie's is an old Angels. that is an older series uh, to which this is kind of parodying it's doing the opposite of really <laughs> Charlie's Angels they're spies not assassins aren't they no, but they all yeah, work for Charlie, and it's uh, you never see Charlie's face ah, whenever okay. there's a call. So it's you know that shot where Bill's sitting and you can't see his face, yeah, yeah. and he's talking on the phone. That's straight That's, out. Of ah, okay. See, I've Charlie's never seen Angels. that series, so I would not know that. And Thank also, you. Lucy Liu was one of the Charlie's Angels. Okay, yeah, that that double clicks. Now I feel like a bit an idiot for not making that connection. Well, it's, but if you don't know, the it's reference. not a it's not a show I'd watch. Sorry, no, it's uh, it's quite an old. It's one. so old and so camp. <laughs> so, chapter scene two, um, as I call it, basically has like a chapter card. It's all split into chapters again, really like that. It feels a bit like again a homage to anime kind of stuff. It was separate chapters of a book, and and now it's in color, and it's we're in Pasadena, Texas, is it or Florida? Okay, I wrote Florida. I wrote Pasadena, Florida. You've just had a tour across the entire <laughs> southern region of the United States. I learned every state a couple of years ago. I can name them all and point them out on the map, and I couldn't read a text that <laughs> California. Um, you've got this incredibly nuclear family home, like just like white picket fence is all that's missing. Yeah. 2000 suburb as hell. A shady lane. <laughs> so Uma Thurman shows up. Knocks on the door and Vivica Fox opens the door. I can't remember the name of her character. Uh, Cotton Mouth is was her copperhead. Name. 
is the copperhead. Copper yeah, Cottonmouth was our own issue. You've just mixed up a lot of different things was there. It mouth or uh, head? I, I did ignore me. It's 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 Copperhead is that is her this particular lady's Ver- Vernita name. Green is her actual name, uh, not the actress, the character. And so she, I I didn't recognise her, but when she starts talking, I'm like, I I know that voice. She is a super fun character in the best television show ever made, Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated. Uh, where she plays Cassidy Williams, who's one of the... Ooh, so I'm not going to spoil it, but um, she's great in that. She's really fun and very funny and actually comes into like a far more emotional arc than you would expect from a Scooby-Doo show. And she's also been in a lot of Sharknado movies, I think two, and a movie called Shark City. So um, can we just agree that Kill Bill's probably the best credit she's got? <laughs> no, she's got some. She's got some pretty good credits, honestly. She's got then a long... Why have you been listing Scooby Doo and Sharknado? Because I love because Sco- <laughs> Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated is great, and the Sharknado is, is Sharknado, and everyone knows they're great. Um, Tarantino, oh my god, Tarantino making a Sharknado movie. <laughs> Oh my god. Um, anyway. It'd be better, but just as bad. <laughs> the eyes meet, uh, and this is where you get presumably where this meme comes from. That alarm. Is anyone want to do day alarm? That it goes like. Put it, put it in, in post. Now. Oh, yeah, okay, I'll put it in post over what we're talking about. Uh, me Again, and my. That, ja- that, yeah. that I think reminds me of like. The, the older sort of American like spy and like action TV shows. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it's that really is funny, sort of though. based on that. Uh, because I didn't know it was coming, but um, this is what happens wh- when when me and Jack size me. Um, there's a red filter that goes over. <laughs> places. <laughs> there's then an amazing, amazing fight. Like just these fight sequences in this movie are absolutely incredible. And there's this great fight around their living room where they just destroy everything. Some incredibly loud foley work as these two assass- former assassins smash each other up. They kick each other around. They throw each other over furniture. It gets smashed. Plates on the wall are all chucked and broken on the floor. Um, and it's very tongue in cheek, even though it's also a brilliant. There's a, there's a lot of really good camera work in that fight. They're just showing amazing. how good they are. You know, like the tropes you get in other movie fight scenes. So like someone will just like, oh no, they'll trip over something in the environment, and then they have to fight on the floor, something like that. No, no, you it just there's like a really quick shot that just jumps down to um, the feet and something a broken item on the floor behind <laughs> um, behind one of the shoes, and you just see her immediately like flick it away. She doesn't even look down. She just like yeah. feels there's something there and just flicks it out of the way so that she has good footing. And yeah. like it's just little details like that that go into the, the fight choreography that just make you feel the characters so cool. are, are a lot more professional. And... Yeah. yeah, definitely the professionalism comes across yeah. so yeah. so well in that. The, the school bus pulls up uh, outside and the most adorable child comes up and opens the door. And um, she opens this door and she's like, Mommy, what? what's happened to the living room? Yeah, they're covered in blood and the whole thing is smashed up. And the mum's like, dog. Your, your dog got in here and he trashed the living room. Like, what fucking dog do you have? Lockjaw from the Inhumans. <laughs> like, what fucking dog is, does this? If they have a um, dog, why did it not show up at any point during this fight? <laughs> oh my God, Kill, Kill Bill 3 has got the dog in it. It's got the um, girl and the dog. Yeah. Oh my. Well, that's well. No, John Wick's al- John Wick's already got a. Uh, oh yeah, that's that true. <gasps> oh, shared universe. As well, <laughs> John Wick's put John Wick in this universe. They've anyway, got to compete so... with the Continental, so they've got to have good, you know, good <laughs> names. Um. So her mother, she goes, "This is Mummy's friend," and they just rather than have like a school bus or something backfire, so you don't hear the name. Just we hear it. It gets bleeped rather than you know you could have done it in universe, but it's interesting to me that it knows it's a movie. I guess it's a good way of saying it. Because they bleep out 
the bride's name, so you never learn it. And I think that's quite cool. I like it. Uh, <laughs> you don't learn it unless you see the Easter egg. I'll get to that later. Okay, you get to that later. Um, they finish this fight, so they didn't go make coffee, because it'd be a bit weird to restart the fight. We then get this amazing bird's eye shot of the kitchen, and with the bride narrating, and she's saying, you know, I, I'm codenamed Black Mamba, she's codenamed Copperhead, uh, and giving a bit of backstory, she's a very deadly assassin, and she kind of says, I'm not going to murder you in front of your daughter so you know we can chill for now and have a drink and uma Furman says something about squares and does a square gesture and i was like oh no she's pulp lost her powers reference. she's lost her powers from pulp fiction she can't summon dotted squares in the air anymore that's what she's had to trade to get her incredible that's what happens skills. when you get shot in the head yeah you, <laughs> you lose, lose your ability power. to project dotted squares <laughs> but that's why she's got to kill bill she took her squares away but yeah the bride I think talks in this quite weird way, which is, to be fair, understandable because she's both a trained assassin. I really, and I really like shot the in dialogue the in that scene. Oh, I like the dialogue. I just I can't remember what it is about something she says. Um, she just says something a bit weird. Um, she says that she says that she doesn't like rationality. It's like mercy and compassion that she doesn't have. That's um, a great line. So the, the reason why she hasn't killed in front of her daughter is because she's yeah. quite because she's rational. Doesn't yeah. she? She's like I don't have to do this. And then she she basically is like, hey, so you you want to pick another time where we can go out this? Said, when when do you want to die? Tonight. Knife fight at the Little League baseball diamond is what they they conclude. Oh, I, <laughs> I wish that scene had happened. Oh my god, I wish that scene. Yeah, had but happened. they but the suggestion was to do it after dark, all dressed in black, even covering yeah, so up no her hair. So they wouldn't have made very good cinema because you wouldn't have been able to see anything. The, the little girl's there and she's got a gun for no reason. <laughs> so which one do I shoot? <laughs> <laughs> a sniper rifle. Brought back um, up. Vervita, um or, or um, Copperhead, she basically goes, say, I've got to make my daughter cereal. In my head, I'm like, it's after school. What are you talking about? Um, after school snack of cereal. Well, okay. Do you know what I've been told? Um, she gets a box of cereal and then she tries to, she shoots at the bride through the cereal. By the way, the cereal box is called Kaboom. That's the brand of cereal. Comes um, with a, a free toy in it. it it's a gun. The bride not, basically kicks a coffee mug at Vavita and then knifes her in the chest. And Vavita, in an amazing scene with some great foley, slides down the glass cabinet, making like a noise and falls on the crunchy cereal floor. Um, and then just from behind her, you can just see the daughter standing in the doorway. Uh, yeah, she won't need counselling. Yeah, she, she'll be fine. She basically said, I didn't mean to do that in front of you, but mum, your mum had it come in. And basically... <laughs> so you if know, you want to come for revenge when you're older, then like yeah. I'll be waiting. Yeah, yeah, go on, do it. Come, <laughs> the come, cycle come get continues. Me. That's why potentially there is potential for a kill. I mean, I have no idea what happens in Kill Bill 2, so it might be, and Jack don't say anything, but it might be that there is not potential for a, <laughs> a nuclear a kill bomb Bill is detonated. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of Kill Bill, the world is destroyed at the end of Kill Bill 2. It's Kill... Kill Bill, but Bill stands for the planet Earth. I will say the, um, the the shooting through the cereal box thing. The only thing I find weird about this is that this really well trained assassin fires only one shot from her gun through the cereal box and then stands there gawping at the fact she missed by about a foot when they're only like, like half. And then inst- you know she doesn't like fire another shot or pull the gun out of the box and aim it. Like she she just like goes, I missed. What? It's one of those one bullet And then guns. she dies. I've lost my edge. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's one of those one bullet guns. That's it's, it's a free toy with the cereal, Jack. So it yeah. have many it only comes with one bullet. Yeah, <laughs> the rest you have to get as DLC. 
I swear to God, most of these like concealed hide it in a briefcase or a box kind of assassin guns, they're usually Uzis because you, they expect that you yeah. can't aim them, so they give you a lot of bullets. This gun you can't <laughs> aim anyway, so actually if yeah. you put the box on it, you get more stability than, more than anything. <laughs> so you missed out the best line the, um, over the, the coffee scene where they're talking about like their past. And um, uh, Copperhead, uh, being a black lady, jokes about the oh, fact yeah, that, yeah, yeah. bitch, how, you shouldn't have been Black Mamba, I should have been, been Black, black Mamba. Mamba. Yeah, he's a good line. <laughs> so scene four, a, we get some Japanese narration, presumably from the cat, that's probably the Hanzo character that comes yes, later. Yes, Hanzo who does it. And he's saying, you know, basically, for Fraser and Finn, for people who didn't have the subtitles, no, I he's saying subtitles. how... Oh, you had some sounds, okay. Yeah, oh, Jack, I, Jack I've, didn't. I've, I've watched the film and seen what yeah. they're saying. Okay, Fraser and Jack, Jack will know anyway. Fraser, yes. Fraser, basically, this narration is saying wronged warriors basically have to kill without compassion to attain revenge. That's kind of the gist of it, I think. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's about you have to kind of forget the human side of you yeah. to, to fight properly and to achieve your goal. Uh, Uma Thurman gets in a yellow pickup truck with pussy wagon on the back and then drives away. <laughs> I could only assume this was a rental. Um, no, Quinta Tarantino owns this. This is his. Oh, and was it made he, for production and then he, I, he owned it I afterwards? Have, I have no idea. He absolutely used to drive it everywhere to promote Kill Bill 2. I can only imagine he it was made for production because I... I yes, Quinta Tarantino is a before. weird guy. Um, but I don't think the yellow pussy wagon vehicle um but it was it's in the back of a missy elliott music video as well um because he got it in there for advertising it anyway then we get chapter two uh the blood spattered bride and we get a flashback to the bride's death scene in texas that was four years ago um and what we see is the police come in the driving here this is a man who basically looks like a sunglasses collector he's got like yeah he has four like four or five pairs different sunglasses on his dash on his and when he gets out of the car they vanish from the dash by the way Did they? oh yeah. continuity oh terrible or they're in his mind oh no only sunglasses only exist in his mind also i love how everyone's wearing like cowboy hats all of them and they've got uh, he- like heels and spurs on their boots yeah in most texas anyway this guy's detective called pop um, he enters chapel. Quentin Tarantino films it from their feet. So again, more feet and feet come up a lot in this film. Uh, again, it's um, not the most anyway, egregious film. We even feet, see the feet of dead bodies, which is I, I think I this think this is the most many heavy movie Tarantino's No, so this is not heavy. the most feet heavy. You've not seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay, I have oh, not. The, the, the feet scenes in that are not great. I, we'll talk about it when I get to it in my notes, but we are going to talk about this because. Um, in detail this time. Um, but yeah, and so he says something like, Guy had to be, he's crouching over and he says something like, Guy had to be a mad dog to shoot a good looking girl like that in the head. Um, you know, or just shoot anyone in the head to be a mad mad dog. I don't know. I don't, um, you know, I don't think shooting an ugly person in the face. I mean, maybe if Bill was yeah, less concerned cool. about her appearance and, yeah. and, and had like, shot her in the head as opposed to behind the head, she might have, you know, not survived it and we wouldn't have had a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, in response to this, uh, the bride spits in Pop's eye, which, by the way, we <laughs> later learn is a motor reflex and not a response. She just spits sometimes. <laughs> which is... been shot in the head. I know, but what I love is it's like... Um, it's it never fair. comes up in the rest of the movie, though. Like, she never no. just randomly spits in a, in a later scene. It's like in um, uh, Knives Out, where one of the characters vomits if they tell a lie, but they're the only character of a weird thing. Um, so I love that. Would not be great as an assassin if you're, like, hiding, stealthy, and it's just... 
Like the drip falls from the ceiling like alien venom or something. <laughs> the xenomorph is here. Okay, so that's scene six, or what I've read in scene six, which is basically the bride in a hospital bed. And this is this scene is awesome. So you've got this woman wearing like this really cool white leather jacket outfit which has got like all the belt and stuff and the buttons are like drawn on in, like, yeah they're not actually belt. real they're just no it's like a, it looks like a comic book thing it's really cool she's got a white eye patch and she's whistling um with this music at walking down this corridor and it's it's fantastic and she's got like, this red umbrella it's just very cool i think we could agree um yeah, all the music's great there's it? a really funny bit though she walks into a bathroom to get changed right and to disguise herself as a nurse and she comes out Wearing this sexy Halloween, basically sexy Halloween nurse outfit, but her eye I think patch. My sister's got... comment on that was, uh, "I don't think she's a nurse." <laughs> her eye patch has got a red medical cross on it now, because <laughs> that's what nurses do. Uh, yes, yeah, she, 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 eye patch. <laughs> she brought two different white eye patches <laughs> to the hospital. Really that's Maybe just bit. she just inverted it. Maybe it's on the other side. It's a, <laughs> it has a different strap. It, has a different, it goes from a black oh, okay. strap to a white strap. It's a different. One. Jack was noticing. Um, what I love is this is when I realised um, this film is genuinely a comedy movie as well. This oh, is like is, genuinely is funny. funnier ones. You can actually um, get an, an L Driver um, nurse Halloween costume, by the way. Of course you can. You can get you can get sexy John Oliver costumes for Halloween. Wait, I think what? Ha- you what? Get, so you can get a sexy John Oliver Halloween costume. That is, and as John Oliver said, very hard to make me sexy. Um, but they tried. Um, yeah, no, you can. So you get sexy anything costume. Um, but yeah, you get a split screen of seeing the bride in a coma and she doesn't move for this entire scene. And the nurse basically going towards the bride with like poisonous syringe. And she is, as, as Jack said, Ellie Driver, who's an assassin. Um, one of the assassins. But then Bill calls and interrupts her and basically says, don't, don't kill the bride because it shouldn't be sneaky. It should be plus. It, plus, to die in her sleep, it would end her suffering anyway. So yeah, she like says that she's giving her the luxury of dying in her sleep, which yeah isn't common for their, oh, right, okay. isn't common for their, assassins. Their yeah. ilk, and but so Bill doesn't want she's... that because he thinks it's like a rat. It's like sneaky. Yeah, which I kind of respect because it does put. I mean, I imagine it's not going to go great for him in volume two. Just a guess. Um, just a gander. <laughs> um, Second one's called Kill Bill. Like a question mark. <laughs> question mark exclamation mark kill bill volume <laughs> kill volume bill three volume two bill kill question mark <laughs> to fair so she doesn't take the news uh, from bill particularly well no she wants to kill her clearly not allowed bill won't let her she gets cucked out of killing this one lady <laughs> gets cucked out of killing and, yeah, oh, this is where the, the sort of, out of killing. like Bill, kind of looking like Charlie from Charlie's Angels. Yeah, you don't see his face. Comes in more. You don't see his face. You just see him playing with a katana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, you notice throughout the entire movie they they repeat, despite the fact that the swords play like a really major part in Kill Bill, because this came out before kind of being a weeb was very mainstream. They <laughs> they say katana in every single line in Japanese, but they constantly translate it as samurai sword. Samurai sword. Did so they say, oh, we're going to fight how samurais fight? And I'm like, I'm fairly sure samurais had like really bulky armor and fought in a very specific way. There's nothing way. samurai about anything you no. kill now, other than the swords. Everything else is closer to um, uh, shinobi ninja. Yeah. Except they wouldn't have katanas because that's an expensive mm. borgy weapon. They'd have 
they'd have a modified farmers or a, use poison. A, yeah, a very heavy weight in their hand, so that when they punch mm. somebody, it hurts more. So this is bits weird, and maybe you guys might understand what happens more than I did. Cuts to four years later. Uma Thurman is in her bed. A, a mosquito, a uh, different hospital bed, but same hospital, I think. A mosquito lands on her. It feeds on her. You hear an incredibly loud blood drinking noise, and that wakes not the noise, the mosquito drinking of her wakes her up. What? We're not going to question the medical uh, <laughs> accuracy of this movie, considering a scene that happens like ten minutes later. I I think I'm going to make a guess that it's a reference to something we don't know. Do you think that's the mosquito in Jurassic Park? That's the one. <laughs> She's a dinosaur now. <laughs> no. That's why the dinosaurs were so deadly. Famous cinematic mosquitoes. We need to look them oh up. Oh my god, more more um what what mosquito actor did they use? Um do you think that the Jurassic Park's also in our new shared universe of John Wick, Quentin Tarantino and whatever else we're putting in there? As long as the fly is also in the same universe. The fly, okay. Jeff Goldblum, that scientist, has had a, a long career that's very storied. It's a very long career. He spanned a lot of fields. So, you see her in her memory. She remembers herself getting shot, and it's a really cool shot, like you see inside the barrel of the gun, like an ignition, and the bullet comes out. It's very cool. Basically, she then realises she lost her baby, and it's genuinely harrowing in a way that I haven't had from a, a yeah she movie. acts grief really really well so she just had her her daughter was relatively newborn when Tarantino was writing this so I, I think she could probably tap into her daughter Maya Hawk but um yeah it's it's really good and it's very very upsetting it's much kind of it's a shade darker and more serious especially compared to the rest of the movie but I, I felt from Tarantino movies since they're always a bit irreverent even about um hard-hitting topics but this is this is not that. This is. I think there's there's still some scenes, and it's ultimately the point of it is it's to define the character and yeah, definitely their motivation and like I think it does a really good job because it makes you more sympathetic to the mm. extreme levels of violence for the rest. This is, the by film. the way, the equivalent of the uh, John Wick cradling a dead puppy. This the, this is basically <laughs> yeah. the, the the character from Ask Equivalent scene. Yeah, same, and it's same. I know. I think same. I think same are, loss of life. Scenes, there same. are scenes later on which have the same humans, puppies, sentimentality you know. um, in Tarantino's films, like the milk scene in uh, *Inglorious Bastards*. Oh yes, we'll get around to that. We'll get to it. Ducky, then this bit happens. I've written. <sighs> So she fakes being asleep, and a nurse comes in for another guy, and basically is like, "Yeah, seventy-five dollars to fuck her," and that is that is dark and gross. And he's like, gives him some rules, he's like, "No punching, no bites or marks. marks." That's okay. That's okay. Now. He warns, oh. warns her about the spitting. He, that's where you find out that the spitting is a motor reflex. That it whole entire sequence just horrible. made me feel so uncomfortable. When I was and then, and then he and then he hands him the the most gross crusted. Tub of Vaseline as well. It's not called Vaseline. It's called Vaseline. It's called like <laughs> oh, it's so it bad. It is horrible. It is. This scene is so grim, but which makes what's about to happen pretty, pretty good because he gets onto the bed, leans in, and she bites his tongue off. And I was like, yeah, no, yeah, 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 good. And then she kills him. We don't, we don't see know how, how. We don't. We don't see how. Which no, he, I don't know. Maybe she stuffs him. his tongue down his throat, or maybe he just dies of shock. <laughs> he had a weak heart. 
<laughs> Either way, the scene is so grim, and so it's very cathartic to see this man's tongue ripped out of his body. Um, the next bit's more cathartic, let's be real. It, this is pretty cathartic as well. So she then reveals she can't walk properly, which again, brilliant acting from Uma Thurman here, actually. Absolutely fantastic. So She's, she's basically kind of like, paralysed from the waist down when she yeah. wakes up. So she's crawling along the floor, and the nurse comes in. So she like hides behind the wall and he's like, okay, well, this guy's dead and she's gone. Something's happened. And then she slashes his ankles and so he like falls. So if you slash tendons, you can like lose control of your feet. And then she basically gets him between the door. I'm surprised there aren't other nurses and people in this hospital. So I'm surprised no one heard this and slams his head into the door repeatedly and says like, where is Bill? Um, and then she has a flashback to him ages ago while she's in a coma telling her a bit about himself and he's like i don't i'm buck and i'm here to fuck yeah um, <laughs> i'm like i don't want to see that on a tinder profile let alone in a coma flashback um anyway, somebody she... should put that on their tinder profile and then like post to reddit the results <laughs> please use the photo of the guy in the movie yeah. and put the that, you're, put oh. that you're a practicing nurse check out my sick check out my sick ride guys <laughs> <laughs> Um, so she killed him, and we get some really nice leg twitching from him, from the actor, actually. Yeah, yeah she, then, she slams his head in the door pretty. It's, a, yeah. it's like a steel door, by the way. Anyway, this is the point, by the way, I've written in my notes. This is when I realised this film was non-linear. You know, despite the fact there are multiple flashbacks that have already happened. Already. It's at this point <laughs> where I was like, when she gets him to find his car, and it's the pussy wagon car, I was like, oh, yeah, this isn't happening in the normal order. To me, to me, it was like what, half an hour not, in. Like it's like, did I you was think tired. that? Did you think that she murdered that woman yeah. and then got pregnant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. then got <laughs> shot. But before she murdered the woman, yeah, she'd yeah, also yeah. been shot before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the events repeat themselves in cycles. It's like Groundhog Day. <laughs> Tarantino could make a more cool twisted. Film, it's like a Groundhog Day four-year Groundhog actually. Day. That could be quite cool. <laughs> the bride wheels herself to the pussy wagon, to some very, very good music. And there's a really good, very long scene of Uma Thurman laboriously pulling herself into this car. And then we have... Now it's time to talk feet. about feet. Wiggle, okay. wiggle your I big toe. It. Wiggle your big toe. I'm not going to talk about toe. I'm talking about something else. I timed it. Before she even does that, there is 20 seconds of uninterrupted foot shots and heavy breathing. <laughs> 20 seconds. Uh, and then we get the toe focus, which is, I, I think, justified, to be honest. Um, the foot shot has a narrative purpose. Yeah. And she's basically going, wiggle your big toe, wiggle your big toe. You know, she's basically willing her legs to work again. It's it's pretty cool, actually. And um, But this is where, so before we get to her, if she can move her big toe, spoilers, she can. Um, we know she can. She motivates herself oh, yeah, by thinking true, about she targets. She dances around and murders a woman. Yeah. So this is weird. This is such a cool section of the movie, this bit. So you get a narrated flashback of all of her attackers, the Viper assassination squad, and they introduce Lucy Liu as... Uh, I initially wrote his oven, uh, Oren, Oren Ishii, Ishii. Ishii um, who's the queen of the Tokyo underworld. They were gonna, he was going to cast a different actor. He was going to cast like a, a Japanese actress. And then he basically saw, like he saw Lucy Liu in something and rewrote the character to have um, Chinese heritage as well. And this is, so this is this incredible sequence. Chapter three, the origin of Oren Ishii is so cool. So it's all animated. Even there's one like of action photo of Lucy Liu, but besides that, this is animated in its own animation style. None of the rest of the film is, and it is, it is brilliant. So it talks about her backstory as a half Japanese, half Chinese, um, like oh, I born love on the military. Sequence. 
born and living on a US military base. So she's technically got US citizenship, but yes. she's not like she she doesn't have any like American blood. It's just no. Kind of... They t- say that she's half Chinese, half Japanese military US military brat. That's okay. I think what they describe her. So I'm not exactly sure. Either way, she's mixed heritage and mixed society. I don't know. Um, yeah, because anyway. people have a problem with both the American and the Chinese heritage. Yeah. Later yeah. on. So they, she watched her parents be killed by the Yakuza at age nine, age nine. And you see this incredible. Her dad puts up a pretty good fight. Yeah, so you her watch this, her dad fight Yakuza people. I was going to say this. He hits someone so hard, this guy rolls up the wall into <laughs> a bookcase um, before he then gets stabbed. Um, the dad... He's, it's like the way he's drawn is he's like a... He's like a giant. He's like yeah, he's, he's big, so big huge boy. compared to everyone else. And like when he falls over, it's like a mm. massive thud. This is quite a typical exaggerated anime style, but the actual art itself is is done in a, a way that I haven't seen before. It's very it's kind really of abstract. Nice. You can tell it's a memory because the art has literally become a- abstracted. Yeah, it looks quite storyboarded. It doesn't look fully. Yeah, it does. You see sketch shading. I like it done with like sort of cross pat. Yeah, yeah, you could probably explain cool. the fact that the adults are so big, like the, the father's so big, because it's through the eyes she's of the so child. Small. Yeah, yeah. But you see, so the thing is, so this is, I think, the first real blood fountain of the movie. Um, so he gets stabbed, um, the dad, and he fountains blood from his Yeah, chest. so the moment the moment the katana's pulled out, it's a, oh, it's a geezer. Maybe it's something to do with God. being in Japan. Maybe that's where, that's where all the blood they fountains are. They almost have high are. blood pressure. <laughs> it's like a high blood pressure this... maybe it's like a pressure system of the weather oh my god what the humidity pulls the blood out like osmosis yeah, it makes the, the opposite. just piss um, out it is, it is incredible and then the boss this is really dark the boss of the Yakuza then kills the mum he puts a photo on the bed and he stabs the mum with the sword and it goes through the bed and just Owen, Owen is hiding under the bed and it just goes just just past her face and then blood slowly starts to drip through the mattress and like onto her face so it's really dark but they, and they're able to convey in this scene so much without any words because almost no words are said um, maybe like mummy or dad or something but that's it. it it is very impressive and the creepy sword guy decides to fight away the evidence so he shoots a, a bottle, bottle of, whiskey. of whiskey and then yeah. kicks a cigar and kicks onto a cigar, it to which sets the, the fire. Oh, I see. That's what he was doing. See, I just thought he disposed the bottle of whiskey. He was just hiding the evidence that they were there. But I was like, yeah, but you know, there's like this thing called gun residue, gunfire residue yeah, he, and bullet he, holes. He hides more, more evidence by <laughs> burning the place down than yeah. he does by shooting, <laughs> by shooting a single bottle, bottle of whiskey. That was, I was so confused. Um, anyway. She eventually, she is obviously going to declare revenge, and Owen eventually gets to the boss because he's a paedophile, and she, at the age of 11, gets into his bedroom and uh, kills him so hard that he bites his own teeth out. Yeah, they shatter. Oh, that is is a very, very anime thing. You see that quite a lot. (laughs) Insanity. And he explodes in the biggest fucking blood fountain. Oh yeah, Again, she makes a blood, blood engine on the wall. Yeah, she makes a blood because angel. she's in the path of the blood fountain, so the wall gets spattered with an image of her uh, sitting yeah. astride him with a Very sword. Very stylized. We have all made blood angels in our time, but um, also Finn, I'm sure have. you're aware of the the, the the blood fountain things from your introduction to. Oh yeah, recently. yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, like, I'm not. Eva's got some some 
Giant robots with blood fountains. fountains. (laughs) Okay, because my anime is Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! And there's very few blood fountains in those. (laughs) My favourite Pokemon is actually the blood fountain Pokemon, though. Yeah, just don't don't cut a major artery on a a giant spooky robot. Yeah, you end up creating artificial lakes from blood. Right. That's what. Um, that's probably what we need to do to irrigate like parts of the world where drought is common. Blood lakes, massacres, <laughs> massacres. Yeah, that'll work. Then less people to need the water. I'm down for giant Freudian robots and irrigation. <laughs> <laughs> so some of his underlings come in. She kind of ducks. They shoot. She like ducks around. She's like under the bed. She uses his body she... as cover. Oh, does she? Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the, the body's that. covered in bullet holes. When oh, uh, right, she. While she's under the bed, though, after she's done that, she shoots people their feet off, and their feet explode. <laughs> she she chose the dum dums. All the blood was <laughs> in the feet. The dum dums. <laughs> she took the dum dum bullets. Yeah, so every time the she hits them the ankle, it actually severs their, their their limbs. And her head explodes. Yeah, There's I mean, Tar- Tarantino really, really likes his dismemberment. I was wondering whether or not Quentin Tarantino had run out of fake blood, so he had to animate the sequence. <laughs> so much blood. We'll get to the fake blood later. Oh, yeah. Well, not even, that's, I realised I was wrong in a bit. Anyway, after all the exploding feet and blood fountains, uh, it then tells who that by 20, she's one of the world's top female assassins. And you see her on a roof in like a red jumpsuit. I thought it said she's... 25. By, or yeah, 21. Oh, okay, well, ama- again, amazingly, I've managed to mislisten to and misread the film again. Or saying it's an incredibly impressive achievement. Yeah, the fact that, like, by 29, orphan? she was in charge of all the major crime families. And they show us how good an assassin she is because she put, she's uh, being a sniper and she's doing it standing up. Yeah, <laughs> and not just that. The man she shoots is absolutely demented looking. His eyes are pointing the wrong way. They're pointing like they're not pointing <laughs> in the like same some, direction. Like, he's like some South American CIA appointed military general with a with a pair of supermodels in the car with him. She, she headshots. <laughs> looks like him. he's melting. Yeah. It looks like yeah. he was melting before well, well, the bullet well, I love his, like, his, his, like, the delayed reaction on the girls who sat next to him, where you see them lean into looking in They look the through camera. the hole in his they head, look, like, they through they the cavity where his, head, where his brain used to be, and then all of a sudden they go, ah! <laughs> okay, so after this amazing animated sequence, that's the end of it, um, and we cut back to, to the pussy wagon, and she wiggles her big toe. So she can, and then we see about 13 hours later, she manages, she walks out, of the car and gets to the front. I would have thought someone might have noticed the guy's yeah, dead body. Yeah, I didn't think 13 hours was a little <laughs> bit suspicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his car was still there because she didn't hide his body. Oh, actually, fair. We don't know that she didn't hide his body. Yeah, we but don't the blood see her do from it. the door would probably... That's also true. Maybe and she the, the other clean. giant dead guy with blood everywhere. Could be a vamp- vampire. Wasn't Maybe there blood vampire. on the bed? There's blood everywhere. Because, like, the guy walks in and he's like, oh, oh. And he sees the guy down oh, on the floor. There's blood everywhere. There's but, blood everywhere. You know, she she should have got out of there quicker than thirteen hours later. <laughs> yeah, try driving without your legs. That's Good true. Point. Um, she goes to an airport and gets a one way flight to Okinawa, which is an island off Japan. I presumably she yeah. went clothes shopping first. Yeah, and also, I'm like, where did she get her passport? And I was again like, this is definitely a pre-9-11 airport. Then I remembered this film released in 2003. So this is a post-9-11 airport. Um... And I did have to Google when was 9-11. In fact, I said... I don't think Kill Bill is set in the time that it was produced. Though. Is it not? I genuinely said, though, Hey, Siri, when was 9-11? When did 9-11? <laughs> so we get her now walking to, like, a bar in Japan. This this barman 
um, who is more than he lets on, has this absolutely fantastic argument with his employee in the back. The oh, Phaser I love that scene that even I didn't know what the fuck. Yeah, Phaser didn't have subtitles, so he didn't understand what's happening. Meanwhile, basically... I've seen the movie enough times that I could tell I knew yeah. what was happening, even though my copy didn't have subtitles either. He's like, "Come and come and get." Um, he's like, "Come and do this." He's like, "No, I'm watching my soap operas." Um, and that's very nice. He's very nice to the bride. He's like, "You should learn Japanese, or maybe maybe I will." Um, he then threatens his employee with a knife. She says she'll have a bottle of warm sake. Is that a thing? Yeah, I've ordered warm a sake a few times. It's nice. Warm alcohol. It's it's, it's kind of like uh, I don't know. It's, it's mold wine is warmed alcohol. Yeah, it's that's like, true. I it's do like I had mold a, wine at a lecture once. That was a good lecture. <laughs> it is a bit warming anyway as a drink. Uh, plant scientist department at Cambridge. Mince pie and mold wine. At Eleven AM. I didn't have any sake for this episode, so I'm just drinking Japanese whiskey. I have had. Uh, is that the one I brought you back? Uh, no, that's finished. Oh, oh you finished it. Oh, good for you. Where'd you get this one? Uh, Amazon. All oh, right. <laughs> some, a... some are more common than others, and you can actually find them right. in the UK easily. <laughs> I've drunk a Tesco's pear cider. <laughs> that's what I've drank today. Um, anyway, she's like, "Why are you in Japan?" I'm like, oh, "I'm here to see a man, Hattori Hanzo." And Ooh. then she speaks in like perfect, perfect Japanese. <laughs> that is, that's not just making noise. That's the noise he makes when he goes, "Oh, you're here to see a man, are you?" Yeah, he's, he's like really excited by this. <laughs> he thinks he's getting a nice story. Yeah, and then he's less excited when he she says his secret name. Um, she wants Japanese steel, so it's sword time. She needs and to deal with vermin. She needs yeah. the glorious Nippon steel folded ten thousand times. She goes up into the attic. And you see in a weirdly central, sensual montage with some, it's quite sensual, like, singing music as she walks around this sword attic and had a few different thoughts. One thought was, this is the kind of music you hear when Doctor Who regenerates, first of all. The second thought was that it's a bit like um, Ollivander's in Harry Potter. Like, the wand chooses yeah. the wizard. Except the, sword like, the reason why it's like, holy music is because, like, a, this film created most of, like, the Western kind of obsession with katanas, but also because, like, the sword is a religious item, or obsession. it used to be a religious item. Oh, okay. So, know. like, it was literally the centre of, of Bushido and the um, kind of the, the religion that was based around the Sakurai yeah, Kodos. Like, so. the, the culture... And... Bear in mind, you might not realise it, but steel's incredibly uncommon in Japan. They it's only have, expensive. like, very small amounts of low-quality iron ore there in the form of iron sand. So back in the times when the most advanced weapon was the sword, um, these were incredibly prized items. Like this right. was the most advanced piece of military technology available in the in what Japan knew as the world okay. at the time. So and that's why the know, religion the, the was labor, kind of developed around it. The labor to get it to to any quality. Yeah, they put tungsten absurd. in their swords, didn't they, to strengthen them? No, 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 no tungsten. <laughs> <laughs> I I I've read that they put tungsten in their swords, so you know what era to... though, because they were using no idea. swords for a long absolutely time. no idea. Um, there's no there's no way that you could uh, actually like tungsten wasn't even discovered until like uh, about less than two hundred years ago. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, maybe the thirty nine <laughs> clues book series from Scholastic might not have been the most it, Yeah, it's also impossible to melt tungsten with the kind of forges yeah, you they can't. would have had. <laughs> so. The chemical reactions to extract it. Um, very... What about Wolfram? It's the same thing? Same oh. thing, that's the same thing. I mean, it's interesting because like, Japan encounters the rest the West and almost immediately puts on a thing saying no one can leave Japan or enter Japan except for this one Dutch guy 
who was allowed to enter. Like, no, no, you're cool. You're good. Um, anyway, so... As very nice she, room with very good quality swords. Yeah. So she picks up one of these swords. He's like, have a look at this one. He then chucks a baseball at her. I wonder where he got that. And she slices it in half. Yeah, because so she's he's like, like, I, like I like the swords. And he's like, I like baseball. And then he throws <laughs> yeah. the ball I like her. trains. <laughs> and then he's like, that's not how you play baseball. <laughs> you broke my baseball. <laughs> <laughs> You have to get me a new one. I will buy, make you a new sword if you buy me a new baseball from the <laughs> gift shop in Times Square, New York. Um, follows like a, yeah, another the, montage. She gets on the plane. Two is just her paying him back. He starts asking about like um, basically who who she specifically wants to kill and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. about making her a new sword. And she's like, "Why can't I just have one of these?" He's like, "Oh, they're not for sale." She says, "I wasn't talking about buying." <laughs> She's just asking directly, give me a sword for free. Sword. Well, well that's, but that's because um, she's going after one of his former students that's in many ways his responsibility, and that is Bill. I think it's implied as well that Bill is like the reason Hazori Hanzo stopped making swords. Yeah, because of what Bill has done with those skills. Yeah, I mean, you, mean, you find... You're, okay, you... Well, you'll find out in the next movie that it's, Hanzo's not teaching how to fight. He just makes really high-quality swords. Oh, really? All okay. of the actual well, training weird, comes then. from another guy. That is quite Who's weird, also then. very cool. You'll like this guy when you see him. So Hanzo, go, he, he, bumb, he bumbles off back and goes off yeah. to make the sword and tells her to train for a month while he's doing it. Can I just say, though, before he does that, he writes... So she's, they never say the word Bill. He writes Bill in the dust on a window pane with his hand. But what's amazing is the bill that he writes looks exactly like the logo for the burger chain bills in the UK. <laughs> it's the same font. It's product placement. <laughs> You've created bills. a monster. <laughs> he does He does go off and he makes her a, a very nice sword. And they have a ceremony? It to her and, yeah, nice ceremony. Um, it says it can cut God. Basically, if you ever encounter God on your travels, you'll be able to cut him. That was quite cool. Well, he says like if you if you meet if it is to be that you meet God on your quest for revenge, then let it know that he'll be cut or something. Yeah, like it's, that. yeah, it's it's, uh, it's really, really edgy. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is pretty like this is a neckbeard thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, but they're all wearing white, which I think is I imagine it's a Japanese ceremonial thing. But it did kind of smell. White is of... for funerals in Japan, is it? Oh, yeah, okay. white white's not considered to be a happy color. Oh, that's Japanese. why it's considered ghosts, to be a funeral color. That's why Japanese ghosts wear white. Like the stereotypical Japanese ghost is a woman in long white dress with long black hair. But I guess it's kind of appropriate because he's talking about the fact that he never wants mm. to make a weapon to kill yeah. people again. So they're all wearing white because. I mean, Somebody's feels, funeral. Yeah, someone's gonna yeah. die. <laughs> it also smelled to me a bit of rebirth in like the American kind of Jesus Jezwas sense. Um, this is kind of her rebirth. She's getting her weapon. It's time for the bride or Black Mamba to return, kind of thing. Yeah, the white of also a bride. As well. Oh yeah, that's true as well. Yeah. Um, anyway, this is where we get a kickoff to Chapter 5, The House of Leaves, which is the final sequence in the movie. Bear really mind, long. she just carries a samurai sword House of onto a plane. Yeah. Isn't I saw yes. her in one of the plane shots? Yes. There is another right. samurai sword. No, yeah, there's, there's a second four. one. I think she takes one from uh, no, 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 someone. No, 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 that's where she's like her. No, it's, it's like another another person on the plane. I think. No, 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 there are in that scene in that shot. There are at least three samurai swords. <laughs> it's just like a running one. gag as every plane scene in the season uh, in the series carries on. More samurai swords are piling up in the first class I cabin. Think, <laughs> I think there was a samurai sword in every seat. There's uh, people behind her have one, and then to the left of her. 
Yeah, everyone must also have one. their vengeance. Uh, it's incredible. <laughs> There's so many samurai swords. Uh, but we see Oren Ishii and the crazy 88 who like rule the Yakuza. And we introduce to her subordinates that Sophie Fatal, which is a real name, uh, Gogo Yabari, who's a schoolgirl bodyguard who's 17. And that is a that is a proper anime thing. Uh, yes, <laughs> and, t- teenage girls being like the ultimate strongest fighters in the world is a very, very anime thing. And it, it cuts to her basically killing a paedophile for saying he'd want to sleep with her. And he, again, explodes in a blood fountain. To be fair, she kind of guts him, so... Yeah. 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 Um, and then she seems to like really just enjoy the process. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's a psycho. Uh, and then we also have Johnny Moe, who is a bald man in the mask that, to be honest, looks like something straight out of Eyes Wide Shut, the Tom Cruise orgy movie. So yeah, I was about to uh, say it looks like he's there to wife swap. Yeah, yeah, like. yeah. <laughs> well, they all they're all wearing those masks as well. Later, everyone's there for orgy. Um, that's why they get the private room at the bar. Um, so um, I think that room's big enough for all eighty-eight of them. Mm. Most of the crazy oh, eighty-eight, they're, they're, the, they're just that, cucks. They have to stand why, outside. Oh, that's why they're called the crazy eighty-eight. Because <laughs> there's eighty-eight of them. Did you not realise? No, you, you didn't realise the name when about eighty guys ran into the room at the end, <laughs> and, and she killed eighty-seven no. of them. Oh uh, yeah, she let one one go back to his spoilers. Mom. Um, okay, so one guy, they're at this meeting of the Yakuza, and they're basically saying, and just, I think I'll go to an interesting side note about the Yakuza in a bit, but this, they've got this table of the Yakuza high ups, and, the, you know, Oren looks like a the head of the they're Yakuza. They're having a really nice time. Yeah, it's a celebration because they've got new leaders. Everyone's leader. cheering. Except for one good. guy who openly, and calls her a bitch as well, he smashes his says, plate. Basically, a half Chinese American brat bitch should not be the leader of the Yakuza. And she kind of, someone throws a towel at him for saying that. And then she uh, slowly walks up to her, him casually, sidles up, and she cuts off his head. She does walk a... along the table. Does she? Yeah. She jumps oh, up on the table. She yeah, she kind of, uh, she, because of the, oh, the, the ceremonial clothes she's in, she kind of hobbles very, very quickly along oh, the length right. of the table, and then she does. Yeah. She absolutely beheads him with a really pretty bad head prop, I thought. But um, not later when they it's, hold it up, I it looks quite was, good. Yeah, but the, when it flips over, it is... looks a bit... Crap. Right. The one later on is really good. Um, but the, again, absolute... This is a tornado of blood. This is not just a fountain. This is insane. Yeah, his heart really kicked it up in those last <laughs> few seconds. His whole body was made of blood. <laughs> um, and the other Yakuza members actually scream, some of them. Um, and then she says in English, basically... Um, I'm going to say it's in English so everyone understands. Descent about like my logic and my choices and my plans, that's fine. You just let me try and convince you. No subjects out of bounds, no subjects taboo. I will, you can talk to me, except for the thing I just cut someone's head off about. Do not invoke my Chinese or American heritage. It's a bad thing. Um, and that was pretty fucking cool, honestly. That was badass. Yeah. And then she basically says, if you have any pro- if you have any further problem with this or it comes up again, I take your fucking head. Yeah, and she yeah. says that really happily. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, okay. I like heads. I can imagine somebody going up to her the next day and being like, actually, um, one thing that's really interesting is we're looking to make sort of more like drug trade routes um, in sort of Hong Kong and China. And we're really happy that we have you here, you know, to, just to help out with the with the agreements. And then she's like, that, thank you. And then they just sort of move on. And it's really nice. Oh, did you cut his finger off? I won't cut your head off, but I'll cut you. But she gives him a head. She gives him another head from her collection. <laughs> gives him a second head. You get a head. <laughs> you get a head. Look under your seats, everyone. You've all got second heads. This is my wife's head. 
Well, uh, <laughs> um, so just an interesting side note about the Yakuza. So, um, obviously, you've got like the Italian American mafia, which operate a lot in Italy and in America. Um, you've got as British kind of uh, East End gangsters like the Quay Twins. I don't know a lot about these or the Bratva in Russia. I don't know a lot about them either, but I do know quite a lot about the Yakuza. Uh, because they're quite odd. So obviously in this movie, you see a lot of killing and stuff. And I think there is, they do do that. But I think a lot of the way they operate is is mainly extortion and blackmail. But what's really interesting is this is the reason all of Japanese, or most companies in Japan have their, their like uh, holders, stockholders meetings on the same day. Because if you have any stock, you're allowed to turn up. So the Yakuza buy a little bit of stock and show up and basically present extortion-based material and say, you know, or we're going to show up and show this at your meeting unless you give us money. So every all the companies hold their stock meetings on the same day to limit how many people the Yakuza can go to. Um, I think we're somewhat off topic, off topic now, though. Yeah, we are. And that's why fun fun gang facts are over now. Fun gang facts with David. We should do a regular uh, segment. Oh, we should. We go back into the next scene, which is this flight to Tokyo. Now... I have written here, and Jack's going to disagree with me, really nice model shot of plane. It's, you can tell it's a model, obviously, and it's got like a painted backdrop. I still thought it was really nice. I just think it looks quite nice. Um, but it, of the plane landing, uh, Jack, you had different thoughts. I like how campy the movie is in general, but I feel like um, I would have preferred them if they had just done a stylized animated plane rather than something that is very obviously a model of <laughs> strings against a painted backdrop that's moving ludicrously slowly <laughs> over the Tokyo very landscape. Slow. Very and, slow plane. Yeah, it was clearly like, deliberately, though. That's the thing, because they could have just shown stock footage of a plane. So it was very deliberate, clearly. I, I don't think the effect worked in, in their favour here. Uh, oh, I like Although it. I do have a laugh at the fact that the, the fictional airline is just called Air. Uh. <laughs> it just says Air on the plane. Also, this mo- this model plane, they managed to miss out like all of the windows on the entire upper deck of the seven four seven. So, like, yeah, I guess there's just no one up there. The first class no. doesn't exist on this plane. Good it's equalization of um, of airline economy. <laughs> so, um, just the thing about those model shots, though, of, of Tokyo skyline, they are from uh, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah or something like that. Oh, they um, reuse the models. They uh, reused models from Godzilla. That's really cool. That is really I didn't cool. know that. Uh, uh, I knew that. Well, that's the fact I found out just before we were recording. I was like, I'm just going to write this down. I guess that's this. why they used the plane and why they made it. I think that might be why. Yeah. So I guess the effect does work. It's deliberate. It's clearly deliberate. It's not like Touché. a lack of funding. <laughs> anyway, so then they, as they're landing, as she, as Uma Thurman uh, rides a really, her yellow motorbike, we can talk about that in a second, and the Yakuza move out in like. Their, their like motorbikes Formation. and cars it looks the music soundtrack plays and I swear this was Flight of the Bumblebee it's actually from the it's original not, Green Hornet but... soundtrack the original Green Hornet soundtrack yes is there another older one I've only seen the recent one yeah Green well that's another one of those those TV series like Charlie's Angels um, right there's okay. like uh, there's Green Hornet Oh, I can't remember. There's a, there's a couple of other, a couple of other ones, but they're kind of the the sort of thing that came after the cowboy cowboy film, or cowboy TV right. series, things like that. And it was the sort of change of pace, and it was all to do with the Cold War. Lots of espionage, lots of mm. like uh, sort of vigilantes and characters That's like that. Where that and Pamela Anderson show VIP came in. 
where she works for... Uh, it's basically Charlie's Angels, but instead of lots of angels, it's basically just Pamela Anderson as um, a kind of ditzy spy who just bumbles her way through things while there's actual professional spies around her who are the actual That's... equivalent of Charlie's Angels. Yeah, almost certainly... And there's an on-rails shooter that released in 2008 <laughs> That's, um, for that it's game. based on it. Yeah, and that is a late time for an on-rails shooter. That's, that's incredibly um, poor. But yeah, the Yakuza look... Um, it's a bad game. The Yakuza look amazing. They're riding these motorbikes. And by the person driving uh, is... Uh, the underage girl. One, the 17-year-old bodyguard. Go-Go <laughs> is driving. Lucy Lou is great. It's so funny. Like I said, I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, again, age is just a meaningless concept within the for, genre. For her, it bloody is. She um, is a psychopath. <laughs> Um, anyway, there's lots of English build it, billboards in this model as well and I was in Tokyo for 10 days uh, and I saw I think zero English billboards the entire time it's I was there it's not usually the billboards but a lot of the smaller advertisements will just throw in lots of English words yes you do see because that because it's, it's like how in the in the west you'll see Japanese kanji used because it's an exotic appearance so yeah. even though a lot of people it's aren't actually reading thing, it yeah. they, they will have a bunch of nonsensical English words on Japanese adverts because it looks exotic i saw that you have also i mean before i went i was told oh you know it's all in japanese it's gonna be really hard every single stop on the train is also in english like it's pretty once you know how the japanese subway system works which is very methodical it's a bit different to the western subway systems once you understand it it's pretty easy to navigate it's really well laid out hmm. um but yeah so the bride is now in her characteristic yellow jumpsuit wearing a matching bike where did she get this? By the Wearing way, the jump bike. the jumpsuit is, as far as I'm aware, <laughs> a reference to what Bruce Lee. Um, it's a mixture. It's Bruce Bruce Lee originally, and yeah. then the same color scheme. I can't remember whether it's well. I can't remember where Bruce Lee wore it first, but there's a very very old anime movie series, um, space space battleship Yamato, and some of the uniforms in that are also the yellow black right. striped jumpsuits. And that goes that that goes back like the seventies, so I'm not oh, sure okay. if Bruce Lee is earlier or not. I'll I can't check. But in terms in terms of women wearing it, it's in Space yeah. Battleship Yamato long before it was in Kill right. Bill. Also, um, Phil Wang in Taskmaster Series Seven wears this jumpsuit for the entire time, and you can see his genitals. In fact, it's a blonde woman in Space Battleship Yamato as well that wears it. So it, I'm, I'm almost doubly certain that that's as much of a reference as Bruce Lee. So, like, the Tarantino and like Uma Thurman, did they just have like? movie parties where they got like probably and just watch stuff and like gossiped for like hours on end it is quite conspicuous for an assassin <laughs> it does I really mean, show up yeah. i'm surprised <laughs> that, the, the, that the french lady doesn't notice the, she, well, she the bicycle her, woman like, looking oh, at her. with a katana <laughs> yeah i think she's really at fault for everything that goes wrong <laughs> bit, she's just too yeah. busy on a mobile phone it's like everything we've been warned about it's like oh my god it's they Tarantino knew what was coming he always says Star Trek predicted everything but no Kill Bill predicted getting hit by a car because I was checking my um, Tinder profile uh, while getting assassinated because yeah. you were <laughs> checking assass- your Instagram can we just talk about what her ringtone is by we'll get to, yeah I guess go to that now then just jump a bit um, what is her ringtone it's the it's the song that everyone sings at New Year is it? Oh, what? Well, Old Lanzai? Old yeah, Lanzai. it's it's Old Lanzai. <laughs> yeah, that's her ringtone. Well, the, the <laughs> thing is, in Japan, I, they play, in Japan and China, certainly, they play stuff out from speakers of shops when things are closing. And when I was in um, 
a zoo in Japan. Um, not a good zoo, pretty bad zoo. I went to two zoos in Japan. One was pretty good, one was pretty bad. This uh, this this one was bad. What kind of zoo that um, makes you sad? Uh, not every exhibit, but a lot of the exhibits, yeah. There's a really lovely mountain goat exhibit. They were clearly having a great time. The the polar bears, less less so. Um, so they um, this the zoo. I can't remember what it was, but they um is in I think Shizuka, uh, Shizuka province. They played like all Lang Syne for closing time. So I think it's a thing in other countries as well that it's like a famous song. But no, um, I also wish I had a motorbike that matches my clothes. That'd be pretty cool. Also, just want to say something. As they're driving along, all these people, you see shots of like Tokyo and you, or yeah, they're in Tokyo now. You see the shop fronts. There are no 7-Elevens, which is highly inaccurate <laughs> because they are everywhere. I, I was in a 7-Eleven once and then I crossed the road to another 7-Eleven. They are everywhere. If you go into Japan, go to 7-Elevens to get lunch or something. They are cheap. They are good. There is an actual problem culture with 7-Eleven to Japan in that they are meant to be open 24-7 and that kills the employees. So that's the whole thing. But yeah, 7-Elevens Seven Eleven open 24 hours. 11 days a week. 11 days a week. <laughs> yeah. Out of seven. Uh, so that's how good the service is. That's, to be honest, they're probably putting in enough hours for it to be that. Hence why it's an issue. And it's an ongoing thing, but I think 7-Eleven are starting to relent on being on making everyone stay open 24-7. But basically, the bride sees um, Sophie Fatal and remembers her from being at the wedding because of her phone, the ringtone. She kind of looks over as she's on the phone at it the is, wedding. It's a little bit like, it's like, oh yeah, I guess I can kill her too. Yeah, it's like well. a, Oh yeah, she did, she, she helped. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, what we then get is the Yakuza walking slowly. We're all wearing these orgy masks, looking a bit like Umbrella Academy gone wrong. To some really gone nice sexual. music. Umbrella Academy gone sexual? Question mark. Season three. It looks like a lot of school kids, uh, which I think they are quite young, and they go into this club where everyone's there's dancing people. The owners are, are bowing. They got like a rock and roll band. I mean, they do yeah, a pretty awesome slow motion walk into the. Music yeah, it's, well. it's fantastic, and they get led by these really fawning owners to I this. S- private I swear the room. music's a reference as well. I've heard that. the music before. The so music. I I the music is. It originally not it's originally a reference isn't it the music is called battle without honor or humanity and you will have heard it in a lot of movies yeah that's why i i can't remember how it goes Do you remember how it goes um anyway but it turns out the bride is there at the bar and she kind of goes and lurks behind the paper door to the private room Lucy Lou hears her and throws a hat pin through the paper wall and then sends Gogo to go check and the bride is like hiding on a ceiling, which is pretty tense, although I'm again surprised that her new legs that are suddenly working again didn't give out or that she She has been her... training for at least a month at Hanzo's place. Oh yeah, of course, that's true. In fact I remember thinking that and then thinking, Oh yeah, she's been training for a month and then thinking <laughs> I better not mention but this. But then you and remember then anyway. thinking it. Yeah. <laughs> but she doesn't do her motor reflex spit. That could have been quite funny. But yeah, Gogo puts her sword away and you see it has little pink flowers on it, um, which is very anime. Uh, it's, isn't it? Excuse me, David. It's not a sword. Oh. It's a it's a tanto. It's a it's a big knife. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. Oh God, I've got Mr. Resident Weeb here. Talk to me when you've been to Japan. Okay. <laughs> uh, fight me, fight me in Japan. Yeah. So then, just to say. We then cut to the singer's feet. 
which are bare. So the singers are bare. <laughs> <You> <laughs> forget God, feet. Yes. And this is... <laughs> Quentin Tarantino does have a foot fetish. This is not. This is not open to. No one's denying it at this point. <laughs> I mean, he's not denying it. He never it's has insane. denied it. I don't think. He probably became a movie director just so that he could put attractive women in his movies and film their feet. He should be doing softcore porn of just feet. Oh, do you think he set up Wikipedia? I I forgot. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me that exists. Now right, I'm going to go welcome. bleach my brain again. Oh no! <laughs> I can That's assume what it is, but I, I'm. Not... Fraser, what are your thoughts on the uh, the feetening? Oh, the f- uh, <laughs> there's a lot of feet. <laughs> but yes, the bride walks in to the store, bathroom store. She reveals her normal jumpsuit that's the same color. It then cuts back to like the bar where there's dancers. You see the dancers for the band, and they are basically dancing by jogging on the spot. Which I yeah, respect. the dancing is so well, awkward. Well, they're just people. So they're just people at the restaurant, aren't they? Oh yeah, they're they not... are. But it's yeah. weird, though. I mean, I dance badly, so I don't, and exercise badly, so I sympathise with both of these things. Sophie Fatale goes into the bathroom. She gets a call, and the bride hears that music, and that sets off another like siren. Now, now, and then she just thinks, "Oh yeah, hostage." Yeah. Anyway, then we cut back to the Yakuza kids, uh, all these children in orgy masks, and they're asking um, the proprietor, who they call Charlie Brown, because he looks oh, yeah, a bit like Charlie Brown. Well, he, he's wearing a yellow, uh, a yellow Yakuza that's got like the same zigzag With black. pattern yeah, on it's, it. It's, it does, uh, yeah. black. And he's bald, so he looks like Charlie Brown. Horizontal stripes. The, the casting call. Once Japanese man they, they cast must look a, like Charlie like an Brown. an eight-year-old boy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> must be shiny and new. Anyway, the bride basically announces her presence to Oren Ishii. The Yakuza kind of file out, and the bride sees Lucy Liu, and you get the sirens again. I've now written, just to say, a code. Uh, I have I now don't refer to blood fountains. I just refer to BFs, because I was writing it so much <laughs> that I, I wanted to stop writing it out fully. She cuts off Sophie Fatale's arm. Again, massive blood fountain, and also ruins her And then she suit. starts screaming breakdancing yeah, yeah. on the floor in a circle, which is... Uh... Just in the back of the scene for the rest of the it, scene. It's well, brilliant, just a long because scene. she's just doing that for like... An hour. <laughs> yeah. uh, by the end of the by the end of the the entire scene and all the fighting stuff, she's probably produced miraculously about a hundred gallons of blood from that seven <laughs> The French, she's half French, I think, so town. The French are known for their Just high amount of blood. blood. Yeah. Have you guys seen Toast of London before? There's uh, a character in that who's a, he's a, a a musical theatre actor, but he's also a hitman because he has an inordinate amount of blood. Meaning right. he's basically unkillable. There's a bit where he just gets shot like not three what, times, not what that and he's just bleeding out for like an hour. That's a very anime superpower. What's your power? <laughs> I have more blood than a normal person. <laughs> cut me and I bleed, but just for longer. <laughs> just cut me and I bleed, and then I keep bleeding, and then I'm still bleeding. I think that's haemophilia, actually. <laughs> I don't think the Tsars... If the Tsars had superpowers, I imagine that ending would have been less sudden. Um... Oren, knowing full well how deadly in a, in a fight uh, Black Mamba is, is like, oh yeah um, I'll just send one guy down <laughs> to just, you know, test the water dip their toe in the pool so everyone else runs out screaming 
they all run out screaming from the from the bar and the, the dance floor. And then Oren's like, "Hey, uh, one of my many bodyguards, <laughs> y- yeah, you go." Yeah, just one guy. So this one guy goes down, <laughs> and I was like, "Is he just gonna send all of them one by one?" She doesn't. And what makes me sad is when she stabs this man and throws him into a pool. She lifts him up, by the way. She stabs him in well, the first chest. She cuts, him, she cuts straight through his sword first. Yeah, she cuts through his sword. She stabs this this guy in the chest, the bride, lifts him up by the sword and chucks him into a pool. No blood fountains. I think they clearly thought we cannot give blood fountains to all the people that are going to die here. Um, anyway, they then all attack, all the rest of the Yakuza attack, and she kills them all. Again, no blood fountains. She stabs a schoolgirl through the chest. A really horrible gurgling foley noise happened. It's really gross. No, she wasn't that, uh, she wasn't awesome. that young, the, uh, the female Yakuza. Oh, I just person. assumed they were all well, like they were, No, most of them are older. It was only like, okay. there's only like one later on who's a kid. Basically, she then says, this is a bit weird, like, any more subordinates for me to kill? Which is a weird way of putting it. And this is when Gogo shows up with a mace. Subordinates? Any, anybody who works for It's more like a flail, her? actually. Not not really a mace. It's more of a oh, flail. Well, yeah, can be also, the, also the hilarity of the fact that, like, her best bodyguard is not used at all. And when you see how close the fight is with Gogo as well, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe if you'd use Gogo with some of these other, like, no, fair, background she characters. Was, she was killing time until the other, the other 80 arrived yeah. at the crazy 88 because good point she, you know they I assume they weren't just waiting outside i just want to say about this flail or mace or whatever so when gogo the actress was well i can't remember what the actress's name is but when she was using this um she accidentally hit quentin tarantino in the head because he was standing behind <laughs> the camera oh <laughs> but yeah so the bride basically gives gogo the option to leave presumably because she's a child and uh, oh yeah she says she I bet you no. walk away and just it's like Japanese school going laugh oh you call that begging <laughs> yeah yeah. I'll make you beg <laughs> there's a mace versus a sword fight here now um, which is pretty flail. pretty fucking cool sorry mace so, mace versus flail sword versus flail fight Jesus Christ fine um, and it's Gogo versus the bride and it's, it's a really good fight isn't it guys oh it's really good they're jumping from tables. The tables are exploding. There's backflips. Um, it's a bit like the floor is lava. <laughs> yeah, there's honest. a lot of focus on the amount of balance required. Just yeah, stand yeah, yeah. on the table, let alone fight on it. Yeah, it's awesome. There's a really cool bit where the bride knocks back the mace. And it bounces off the wall behind Gogo and hits her in the back of the head. Yeah, she flips over. Yeah, it's great. And then basically Gogo brings out some blades on the on the flail. And manages to get it around the bride's neck and lodge it in a wall. So she's choking out the bride. But the bride picks up a chair leg with nails that's just on the floor. Baseball near her. bat with nails beats Yeah, on. exactly. She smashes it into Gogo's foot and then into so hard into the side of Gogo's head that she bleeds from her eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of trauma. <laughs> Insane. It's great, though. Oh, and also, again, I've written here in red, foot. I don't think that's foot fetishism. At that I don't point. think that's foot fetish. I mean, that's just <laughs> a, a good way of distracting her. I'll also point out, Gogo's actress was previously in Battle Royale a few years earlier, so oh, she's wow. quite adept at playing murderous teenagers. Yeah, that's the movie that, that's the kind of thing that kind of inspired The Hunger Games, isn't it? Yeah, it's basically like, I think that I've not seen Battle Royale, but I think the concept is that. Japanese schools that are underperforming get uh, basically televised as a fight to the death because like right. you failed society, so here you give us some entertainment. 
I've what? worked at Japanese schools, <laughs> and honestly, uh, can imagine. No, they were all very nice. It was very nice to work there. Please hire me again. Anyway, now it's time to actually fight Orenishi. But it's not, because the motorbikes show up. You didn't think it would be that easy. And the Yakuza armies, the, uh, the, I was going to say the bald 88, the crazy 88 <laughs> arrive with the bald guy. <laughs> going to say, only one of them's bald. There's <laughs> a massive fight. Uh, we can't, there's no point in going in too much detail into this fight, really. It's, it's incredibly a, stylized. It's it goes on for about brilliant. 10 minutes. It's fantastic. It's and it cuts amazing. to black and white because the censor board would yes. not allow the film to be released, even with an 18 rating, unless they edited this fight scene. So that apparently making it black and white to cover up the several hundred gallons of blood um, was enough. And some of the things that happen while the fight is in black and white include someone being split in twine yeah, from head to head, really? to, uh, to hip. head to crotch. Um, someone gets bifurcated. Someone gets their eye plucked out. So when they put the eye out, that's why it turns black and white. Yeah, a lot of feet get cut off as well. Feet again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, lots of lots his of legs actual, get cut off. His actual fetish is the idea of feet being chopped off, exploded, and or being cut off, brutalized. Yeah. Also, there's oh, music throughout most grim. of this fight, but the music ends near the sec- near the very late stage in the fight um, when she's taking it vertical up onto the upstairs banister. And when the music cuts out, you guess what you don't get in this kind of movie very often. You get the background noise of dozens and dozens of very badly wounded people screaming and moaning yeah. in pain on the ground. Because she doesn't kill them, she just kind of cuts them all up. Yeah, and um, it's life-changing like, uh, injuries. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Uh, yeah, I mean, literally at the dead. end, she even like shouts out to them to pick up their limbs and yeah. go. No, no, no. no, no she, she says, she leave, says them. leave the limbs. They're mine. They're mine. Oh, now. oh, I forgot. Okay, I, I miss. I misread. <laughs> these are mine now. Yeah, <laughs> I um, take I, your feet. Yeah. But like usually you don't get that, do you, in Hollywood? It's like someone gets like a very minor cut from a sword and oh well they're dead now. Um and you don't get any kind of realization that most injuries are not fatal. Yeah. An important so, thing to remember here is also that Charlie Brown is that is allowed to run away. Yeah. He's safe. Um it is it is an amazing fact. It's mesmerizing, actually. And as I, I actually did write like Fraser mentioned the feet getting cut off. I have put Quinton's fetish has taken a dark turn. <laughs> Um, I would love to have been the extra that had the eye pulled out as well, because that's that's oh, great. Yeah. And he's just stum- stumbling about. He's not on the floor in the fight. Later on, you just see him like stumbling about with clutching his face. Um, anyway, the lights go off, and at the top balcony, you have an amazing sequence of everyone fighting in silhouette that looks like a really dark Apple advert. Yeah, the lights um, have gone out. So... It reminded me of two things. There's a very similar scene in Book of Eli. Um... Oh. Which is awesome. Um, yes. And oh. also, actual Shinobi, uh, Japanese puppet theatre, um, where ah, the yeah, people yeah. that people are dressed in, entirely in black and basically are just silhouettes maneuvering the puppets. That's where the actual original name for ninjas came That's from. That's where ninjas was the, was the come puppet from. Yeah. Manipulations. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, she leaves one guy alive. She spanks him with the sword. Yeah, the lights come back on, and she realizes that he's like she's like sixteen. So she so she uh, doesn't. You know, her sword stops like just next to his neck, and when she yeah. sees how she he cuts his is. sword into bits, and then she, she yeah, yeah, she down. then she cuts his sword apart with her like ridiculously OP Hanzo sword, and then she yeah. like spanks his butt and says, "That's why you don't fuck around with accusers. Run home to your mother." She's <laughs> quite amusing. I sent a new Quinton fetish. <laughs> Spank with a sword. Katana send back to your spanking. mom. It's like what the queen does to your shoulder when you oh, get knighted. Right. Fraser, question yes? for you: What is I'm going to period that you come to you for strange questions. What's your favourite uh, 
<laughs> massacre person massacre during this fight. I I really like okay. the one where she just where like she reaches into the camera and pulls the guy's eyeball out. I thought that was quite funny. Um, then there's also the one where she beats where she uh, uh, is balancing on the banister while fighting the dude with the two swords. Yeah, then she yeah. decides, well, mm. you know what? How about I just chop his fucking leg right off? Yeah, that, that was <laughs> that was great. Um, but yeah, so there's a field of bodies, and the guy of one I just told you about. And what's amazing is the the wife of Charlie Brown, the bar owner. She is this is so good. She is like screaming and stumbling about, trying to leave and trying to avoid like slipping on the blood. And it's and such the, the good bits of feet like, and hand and not slipping, but she's slowly, she's kind of like sliding a bit on the blood, sliding one way. It is, it is brilliant. And because it's all shot from far away, people are just small enough for it to be like really funny. It yeah. is amazing. But you just it's see the, so the room is absolutely, absolutely yeah. There's barely any floor that's <laughs> not covered in blood at this point. So oh yeah. The pool is red now. Uh, delicious blood, Rabina. Um, now we go, the bride goes into this snowing garden in the back it looks awesome music is really really good uh here i can't even define the soundtrack this whole movie is excellent that's what you guys were saying on the chat last night weren't it uh, finn and fraser yeah soundtrack yeah. yes soundtrack is so brilliant. good uh so the bride in this fight gets slashed she goes down and she gets up and she scores a hit on owen and what's really cool is they pause to the sound of like a bamboo water clock in the background. Really, really good Foley again. And Lucy Liu, because had basically before said, you know, you've used a lot of energy, you even gonna last five minutes. Like, very like seriously, like apologizes to her for well, like know, ridiculing she her sword for saying skills. She's a Caucasian girl wants to play with yeah. uh, katana. Samurai swords or something. Yeah. Also, she's like, worth noting, you are a good warrior. The entire scene lasts about a few seconds more than five it's minutes. Five and a half after minutes. she says uh you won't last yeah. five minutes. <laughs> it's five minutes, 35 seconds, I think. It's on the IMDb. So it's it they it's really cool. Um, but yeah, I love that she very seriously is like, we're going to stop this fight and I'm going to tell you I'm sorry for insulting your skills because you've just managed to get me. And so clearly this is a worthy fight. Uh, it's really cool. It's very tense. She like goes, are you ready to fight now? And he there's, like, there's a yeah, couple of like, just details of this fight that I do really like. Is that yeah. Oren has this really stylized sword? Like it's very minimalist. It doesn't have like a guard or anything. It's yeah, basically no, like no a walking cane. Little... And she doesn't have a guard on it, but instead she fights using the scabbard in her other hand. Yes. And against the Hanzo sword, that's just fucking useless because it just gets cut straight through. And she just looks down at this thing slice straight through and is like, "Oh, okay." Uh, well, nice away. things didn't last, and she just throws it away. <laughs> Okay, that's what happened. I, I, I totally. I was very confused. Did that you, explains a lot. It, why did? Why are they pausing and looking at the wood? Yeah, why is she sad about wood? Nice while it lasted. <laughs> and then she, aside. Anyway, the bride scalps Oren, chops off the top of her head, yeah, you can flicks see her into the snow, and let me tell you, she looks like a capuchin monk with the bald head and the hair. Oh on yeah, the, the scalping kill. I wasn't expecting that. No. Absolutely well, it, it, not. Doesn't it, it cuts into her skull, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it goes like, straight, goes clean through like the skull the... and takes the top of the head off. Oh, guy in the Han- Hannibal, uh, the guy gets his top of his head just. It is very similar off. to the, uh, the the final original Hannibal movie. Yeah. The, what the general? The guy where he cooks his brain in the front general. of him. Oh yeah. right, you mean Hannibal the like cannibal? Doesn't he put like a baseball the... cap over his head? He just throws a towel over his head. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, I love. Yeah, her last words are like, "It truly is Hanzo, Hanzo yeah. Steel," and then she just yeah, 
That is Yeah, her dying her dying comment is like how nice the sword is. I mean she starts she starts the fight commenting on on the sword, saying it's very impressive, and then she ends the yeah. fight saying how impressive the sword is. Yeah. It's it's a great I liked how great it fight. feels in my brain. And a great <laughs> it's, so, it's so cleanly severed my nerve endings. I've just forgotten so much. So, uh, it's so clear. Oh, that's part of my brain nerve. on the floor. No, 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 no. Um, she, uh, if I was for a second, like, does is she actually going to be fine from this? <laughs> picks up her, <laughs> picks up her scalpel. Um, think, uh, bride is like, leave the scalp. It's mine now. <laughs> she wears it. Like oh dear lord. Um, anyway, we then cut to her putting a name through Lucy Liu on the list, uh, and we'd saw the name Oenishi with a line through it before when she's in um, Copperhead's Copperhead's house. Look, you look at Fatal in the boot because she's still alive, and then she <laughs> she rolls Sophie Fatal down a hill uh, towards a hospital. <laughs> um. Which is quite funny, and all the paramedics come, and Bill kind of then it's like Bill creepily with his hand yeah, on like his shoulder. Yeah, you can't see his face. Don't see scene. his face, and he's just saying, "Oh, Sophie, my beautiful Sophie, what has she done to you?" And I'm like, "When are you going to eat this woman?" Um, <laughs> yeah, literally, like, I, was, like, I, was, I was literally waiting for her to die, not so, Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's implied that, she, that he kills her off screen. I, I, well, she, well, I guess considering you've seen Kill Bill Volume Two, I'm mean, in a. Uh, I don't know. Enough. It's not covered. Yeah, then which because I'm almost certain she absolutely murders. Um, her. But yeah, so basically, we find out she's been kept alive because the bride wants information, and she's going to cut out, cut off things until she knows more about the virus. Yeah, every time she doesn't answer is. a question, yeah, she's going to cut something off. Something you'll miss. And basically, then she says she was allowed to keep her wicked life for two reasons. One of them is that one, and the other one is so she can tell Bill basically the bride is coming for for him and look at how good she is, look at how powerful she is. That's pretty creepy, pretty cool. And then. Um, the bride, we see her again continuing to write the death list on a plane um, to, alongside narration to the sword maker. But this is where we see on the plane there's like a million swords. There's just so many swords. <laughs> I wish I that continued that. in the next movie. I really wish that continued. They just kept <laughs> adding more swords every I time. Was, I was wondering for a bit, like, if it, it's going to pan back from what we refer with the sword. And the reason she's been allowed to keep that sword is just loads of headless flight attendants <laughs> scattered around the plane. Whoever gets in your way, be it God or a bunch of or flight, flight attendants, attendants. wouldn't mind their own business. <laughs> Nosy flight attendants. Anyway, and then we get the big reveal, the big cliffhanger reveal at the end of the film uh, that's revealed to Sophie by Bill that the bride's daughter is still alive. Apparently Tarantino only came up with that kind of pretty close to finishing writing it. So, like, that's a cliffhanger ending to a film that wasn't going to be two parts because Lord Voldemort of the movie industry himself suggested... How could they not that, make it um, two parts? She doesn't finish the job. So, it's two parts because, as I said, Voldemort himself, Harvey Weinstein, so he basically would have had it cut because it was, like, three and a half hours long or more. It was, like, nearly four hours. He was like, this has to be cut significantly or you can cut it into two films. And, um, yeah, so it's cut into two films with this quite good cliffhanger... And that's why the second one comes out so quickly after, because it, I think it was filmed it together. Filmed together. Yeah. Um, and I was wondering if we were going to see a, a post credit scene where Nick Fury shows up to recruit the bride. <laughs> we need another person who's just here to sort of beat people up, but is very yeah. good at it. So uh... Exactly. We've got Hawkeye, we've got Black Widow, you know, you're basically like both of them. Join the disposables. <laughs> this movie is a bit like the whole movie is basically a bit like 
that bit in Avengers Endgame where Hawkeye is killing everyone except no one comes to redeem him. Yeah, I guess a vengeance um, is a powerful yeah. thing. Yeah, that's a good scene, actually. Yeah, an hour, 52 minutes. Good run time for a Tarantino movie. So having seen now, uh, what, Jackie, four Tarantino movies? Yeah, four. I think Kill Bill actually probably is my favourite, supplanting Jackie Brown. But what I've realised is I really like when Tarantino's style is insane off the wall, like in this. It's, it's just mental, this movie. Or when it's toned down a lot, like in Jackie Brown. And those are clearly what appeal to me, the absolute insanity or the really, really toned down style. Um, but, you know, I, I love this movie. It I'm so excited so much to get fun. To, to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm so, I, I feel like we're going to yeah. have, I mean, that one we need to make like an a, a extra long one for just conversation. It's like three hours long. So I've it's been holding this be. in the entire runtime, but uh, the Easter egg of, uh, right, go on. of her name. Um, they might bleep out any mention of her name out loud, but they don't blur her plane ticket. Oh, really? Um, and also, whenever Bill is talking to her, he's actually referring to her by her last name when he calls her Kiddo. Her last name is Kiddo. Oh, wow. Um, her full okay. name is Beatrix Kiddo, really and that is written on her plane ticket. And nice. uh, Bill is actually calling her by her wow. name the entire time. That's That is... Genuinely very cool. That is a very cool Easter egg. Good job, Quantroy to run to nine. That or the prop guy just took liberties. <laughs> well, and the actor <laughs> playing Bill also took liberties. Well, I, I believe that the, the plane ticket happened twice in the same movie, so it's like a double, um, doubled up Easter egg. Oh, apparently, by the way, Jack, the reason that Go Go Yubari was cast, that actress was cast, is because Tarantino liked uh, Battle Royale. Oh, yeah, okay, makes sense. That is Kill Bill. So, like I said, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I liked it too. I thought it was really one, good. Faser? I can't wait to watch the the second one. Do you, what do you think? What do you like the most about it, Fraser, do you think? I think it was just the fact, I, th- I think I agree with you. It's it's, his, it's one of the more stylized works he's done, one of the more outlandish things he's done in a while. And I kind of appreciate that, especially as we get further away from from uh, from his previous works into the more recent stuff. He kind of gets slightly more tame, but obviously the violence just gets more violent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it's the beginning of him taking a style and uh, using it to define the narrative, the characters, uh, the style of the film, the way it's produced, and it, it sort of, you know, each of his films from now on embody a style. It's definitely in Kill Bill where you really see Quentin truly make gratuitous violence in art form. <laughs> Are there more blood fountains in future movies? Can I expect this? No. Uh, in Kill Bill Volume more like, 2. More presumably. like people slipping on the floor in Blood explosions. No, I want um, blood. Okay, well, I want. No, I, want, I like the fountains. I want this to be like Johnny there's Depp. There's going to be a lot of burnings later on as well. A lot more blood, very, very much so. Oh my god, Tarantino-based movie in the Salem Witch Trials. Oh, dear lord. In the upcoming Tarantino movies, with the exception of Kill Bill 2, the blood fountains are going to stop. That that was a very stylistic choice because of the genre he was doing. I know, but I love the blood fountains. Then go watch some anime, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah, I'll keep watching you know. Yu-Gi-Oh. Or some classic, <laughs> some classic martial arts movies, I guess you'll get something similar. I'd rather you. watch them, uh, yeah, and I probably will. I'd like to go see some Bruce Lee and expand my horizons there. Bruce Lee one. Uh, Jack, right, so this is the big one you were waiting for and you were very excited for. What are your thoughts on Kill Bill? Go on. 
it's just a really good time. Yeah. <laughs> I was smiling the whole summary. time. Yeah, it's so fun. It's well paced. It's uh, it's stylish. The music choices are good. The action is clean in every sense other than the gore. Um, <laughs> yes. It's it's well choreographed. Uh, the dialogue is amusing. It it mixes comedy. It's and funny. It's genuinely well. funny in a way. The that, acting I mean, is all good funny, despite but... the fact that it's so camp at times. Um, and like I say, it's 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 a love letter to a couple of different genres that I really like. I, I, I like classic martial arts movies. I like modern martial arts movies. Um, I like classic anime. I like modern anime. It's it's just it's just really good. The only thing I'd say is the movie is kind of a. It's not a victim of its own success, but the stuff it covers has become a victim of this movie's success because uh, it, it unfortunately it has caused somewhat of an embarrassing obsession with Katana. But it's it's generated tropes. It's, it has you know, generated many tropes that not and all like, of them are good. There's a lot of cliches that are now cliches, but when this because was, of when this, this was made, that, yeah. I would say one more fact: in on network television in America, they had to censor the film a bit, and they had to change the word "pussy wagon" on the truck to be "party wagon." That's, that's what they decided <laughs> so to censor, different. not the violence. No, no, no. no can't, well, you that. can't. You can't it's remove just, the violence from the film. Can you? You can't though, say fair. anything to do with sex. God forbid. I'm looking at the picture of the sword from Pulp Fiction and it's got a gold scabbard and a different wrapping and it looks older. It's not uh, the bride sword, but it is still a Hanzo sword. Right. That's still, I mean, that's still cool and it's still a very cool connection. That is still cool. But and there are there is definitely there is a, an entire scene referencing someone selling their uh, Hattori Hanzo sword in the next movie. You just right, find yeah, out later cool. on that they were telling a fib. Maybe they had two. <laughs> they <laughs> they have two have too many swords. swords. I've killed a lot of people and I've <laughs> taken their swords. I have just hundreds of... They won't let me on the plane anymore. <laughs> You're only allowed on the plane when you've got... You know, you must have this many swords to fly. Okay, guys, can I just addendum? Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, it's a five... We've got a five sword policy here. Um, okay, two things, two more things uh, to end on. There's two Wilhelm screams during the Battle of the, ha- the House of the yeah, Bleeding. Yeah, I, I, I heard, heard one of them. Oh, I didn't hear any of them. But the other thing, this is amazing, this is on IMDb. So someone on IMDb is, is listening to our podcast, clearly. Director trademark, Quentin Tarantino, bare feet. And that just lists all the times you see bare feet in the Oh movie. my God, someone sifted through the film to find all the bare feet. Look, we've, we've established within this podcast that there is a Wikipedia devoted to feet pics. Are you surprised that someone has gone through something as popular as Tarantino's works and archived the foot shots? Yeah, no, not at all. I think it was probably Tarantino. <laughs> uh, let's be honest, right. On that bombshell, <laughs> I think you better end it. We're ending it on feet. Yes, ending it on feet, as, as always. That's how I stand, also, on feet. I thought that was a Vega joke, it deserved more, whatever. Yes, yeah, so thank you very much for listening. Tune in for the next episode, whenever that is, uh, whenever we have time to make one. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.